Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm here to once again fuck up your day and make you angry, but hopefully from this anger stems change. Tonight's story in particular will make you want to scream. The police completely botched this from the very beginning, and if the victim was my family member, I'd probably be storming the streets. Amber Alyssa Takara was a 20-year-old from Mikisu Cree First Nation who went missing on the evening of August 18, 2010. Her remains wouldn't be discovered until two years later, and I really do blame the police for this one. They didn't even seem to really look for Amber. We'll get into how the police completely botched this investigation from day one, as well as listen to the audio that Amber was able to record in the presence of her killer. While this case seems like it really should have enough evidence to point us to who murdered Amber, 11 years later and her murder is still unsolved. 
But before we get to Amber's story, let's talk about our sponsor, who I'm always grateful to have because they allow me to take the time to cover these really important cases. Tonight's episode is sponsored by O'Brien Garage Doors, a family-owned and operated garage door company that provides residential garage door services, including repairs, sales, installation services, and more. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably just as paranoid as I am. Did you know that most break-ins through the garage door are due to homeowner negligence? Keeping your garage door in proper working order is essential to keeping your home safe. So stop putting off those repairs or that replacement and get your garage door fixed. It's only $49.50 to get it checked out and tuned up. Visit O'BrienDoor.com or search for them on Google by typing in O'Brien Garage Doors near me. Schedule your service right on their website. That's O'BrienDoor.com. All right, let's jump in. Amber Takara was born on January 3rd, 1990 in Alberta, Canada. She was from the Mikisu Cree First Nation, and when she was a baby, she was adopted by her parents, Andrew and Vivian Takaro. Her mother actually went by the name Tootsie, and you're going to hear a lot about her tonight because she's been an incredible advocate for her daughter. The Takaro family lived in Fort McMurray, Alberta, which is in the Athabasca oil sands region. Because of this, its main source of economic growth is in the oil industry, of course, and there are a lot of people who have moved to the region specifically to work, though they aren't from there. Fort McMurray is known for its sand dunes and beautiful boreal forest. It's definitely not a huge city like the capital is, but it's a very family-friendly area with a lot of rich resources and sprawling nature. Amber has been described as being the apple of her mother's eye. She was the youngest of four brothers in the family, so everyone was fiercely protective of her. She loved to sing and dance, and she was always a big dreamer. She made everyone who knew her laugh, and she was just vibrant, and people loved to be around her. When Amber was 19 years old, she gave birth to a little boy named Jacob, who she absolutely adored. She took the job of being Jacob's mother very seriously, wanting to give him everything that she possibly could in life. Her biggest goal was to find a good home for her to raise Jacob in. But of course, this was really difficult in Fort McMurray. With a wealthy industry like oil in the area comes a big price tag on homes and apartments to rent. So Amber was staying at a women's shelter called Unity House. Now, I know that Unity House does provide shelter for women fleeing domestic abuse situations, but I'm unsure if that's why Amber was living there or if it was just temporary for her and her son while they found a more permanent place to live. Either way, it's been reported that she didn't really like living there and she would often call her mother to pick her up and ask to stay at the family home. I know a lot of people will ask why her mother didn't just let her live there full time. And all I can say is mother-daughter relationships are incredibly complicated. From everything that I've read, it seems to me that her mom Tootsie wanted Amber to be able to stand on her own two feet. And Amber, she also wanted some more independence for herself. And so it was a difficult situation sort of navigating all of that. Either way, it's really irrelevant to what happened to Amber, so I'm just going to leave it at that. When Amber was living at Unity House, she met a woman who she quickly became friends with. I say friends, but I guess they didn't know each other all that well. 
but they were friendly enough to decide to take a trip to Edmonton, the capital of Alberta, where all of the action really happens. Shopping, restaurants, it's definitely a stark contrast to Fort McMurray. Now, this woman she had met has never really been named. I'm going to guess that this likely has something to do with privacy reasons and the fact that this woman had been living at a domestic abuse shelter. The police obviously know her name, and she doesn't appear to be a suspect in this case, so we don't really need to know her name, and it's always important to keep survivors safe. The pair decided that on August 18th, 2010, they would fly to Edmonton from Fort McMurray, and Amber planned to bring baby Jacob with her. She never really went anywhere without Jacob. When Amber told her mom, Tootsie, of her plan, Tootsie didn't want her to go and especially didn't want her to bring Jacob. Jacob was only 14 months old at the time. But Amber assured her mom that it was all going to be fine, she would be careful, and she would take good care of Jacob. She'd only be gone for two days, so it wasn't a huge deal. Amber is an adult, so there wasn't really anything Tootsie could do to stop her. And off the two women went with Jacob. Now, Edmonton is a really expensive city to stay right in the city center. If you wanted to stay right in the city where all the stuff is, you're going to end up paying an arm and a leg for it. Amber and the other woman, they were on a tight budget. They didn't have a whole lot of money to spend on a hotel, so they decided to book a motel in a nearby town called Nisku. Nisku is about a half an hour car ride from Edmonton, to put things in perspective, and this motel, the Nisku Place Motel, was really close to the airport. So they were able to land and get to the motel pretty easily and cost-effectively. The plan was to check in, take it easy, and then head into Edmonton the following day. However, around 7.30pm that night, Amber asked her roommate if she could watch Jacob while she headed into Edmonton for a few hours, and her roommate agreed. Things get a little wishy-washy here as to why Amber decided to go to Edmonton that night. We don't really know if she had plans to meet up with anyone, if she just maybe wanted some alone time since she likely doesn't get a whole lot of alone time with a baby. I couldn't find a definitive answer on this. Either way, Amber did not return back to the motel that evening, which was not normal as her baby was still there. The roommate who had been watching Jacob all night also sensed that something was wrong. Amber was only supposed to be gone a few hours, and she'd never just leave her baby there. So the next morning on August 19th, this unnamed woman called Tootsie to let her know that Amber had gone out the night before and had not returned back. When Tootsie learned that Amber had left Jacob at the motel, she knew immediately that something wasn't right. This was completely out of character for her. So she called the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the RCMP, who told her not to worry. Her daughter was young and she was probably just out partying like most kids her age and that she'd likely turn up sooner than later. I always hate reading this kind of response. It happens way too often. A mother knows when something is out of character for their daughter. No, not every 20-something-year-old is out partying all the time. When a mother says their child is missing and it's not normal, the police need to trust that mother, the person who raised them. They know better than anyone. And so, they didn't take Tootsie seriously at all. They told her to call back in 24 hours to file a missing persons report if she still hadn't heard from Amber. 
which again, this is another false narrative. You don't have to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report. The police seem to use this as a way to get people off of their backs in the meantime. And I get it. Adults are allowed to do whatever they want. Sometimes they might want to disappear for a bit and they'll turn up later. But don't turn people away, people who are panicked that their loved one is missing, and don't give them this misinformation BS. All right, I'll step off my soapbox now. So, of course, Tootsie called back in 24 hours and filed an official missing persons report. This was just the beginning of so many missteps and wrongdoings that were about to happen on behalf of the RCMP. They just didn't seem to take Amber's disappearance seriously. On August 28, 2010, an RCMP constable recommended that the case be closed and Amber be removed from the National Missing Persons database after reports came in of potential sightings and social media activity. The police didn't even investigate these sightings to see if it really was Amber. Someone or maybe a few people reported seeing a person that matched Amber's description, and instead of actually investigating it any further to confirm that it was Amber, they just released a statement saying they didn't think Amber was in any danger and that they knew for sure that she was around the Edmonton area. And then the RCMP removed her from the missing persons list. How the hell does this happen? A family has not heard from their loved one in a month, and you decide to just remove her from the missing persons list without any proof that she's not still missing? And when Tootsie asked for proof that her daughter was indeed spotted alive and well, they refused to offer up any evidence to show that maybe she was still in Edmonton. It took Tootsie another month to ensure that Amber was added back to the missing persons list. But that's not even the worst of it. RCMP admitted that when they decided Amber was no longer missing, they took her property that had been collected and held onto from the motel room, and they destroyed it. Literally, potential evidence that could point to where she went or maybe who she met up with. And instead of even just giving it back to her family, they destroyed it. Even if these belongings provided no clues as to what happened to Amber, I'm sure the family would have liked to have her things back. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, 
and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It took two years of Amber still missing for the RCMP to now say that they believed Amber had been met with foul play. And in 2012, they released some shocking audio and a theory as to what may have happened to her. She had been known to hitchhike in the past, and she didn't have a car with her on this trip. So police suspected that she had likely decided to hitchhike to Edmonton. Again, it's about a 30-minute car ride into the city. Even though hitchhiking is definitely not the safest route, Tootsie had taught her daughter some things that she should do to keep herself safe, including pretending to be on the phone with someone, even if no one was on the other line. You know, if you feel like you may be in danger, call someone. If you can't get a hold of anyone, at least pretend to be talking to someone. You'd think that this would get the person to sort of back off because there's a higher risk of getting caught. In late August, the RCMP decided to release an audio recording to the public. It was 61 seconds of audio from a 17-minute phone call made from Amber's phone the night she vanished. And it's absolutely chilling. The full audio has never been released to the public, so there's obviously a lot more information on that phone call recording that we don't know about. But I'm going to play you the portion of the audio that they did release. 
clearly knows she's in a dangerous situation, which is why she keeps repeating where they're headed. The person on the other end of Amber's phone was actually her brother Paul, who was incarcerated at the time. I believe he was actually serving time in a prison located in Edmonton. So likely she called Paul because, as you know, all prison calls are recorded. Amber really did try to do as she had been taught, to get on the phone and talk to someone if you feel like you're in danger. Listening to this recording the first time, I was just wishing that she would have described the car that she was in or maybe described the man that was driving, anything that could have spooked him a bit more so maybe he would have reconsidered. Because even though Amber made this phone call, this person was brazen enough to continue on with his plan. And I know it's a little bit hard to hear exactly what she's saying, but at the end of the call, she mentions that they're going down a gravel road. Definitely not the way into the city as she had thought. Just four days after this recording was released to the public, on September 1st, 2012, horseback riders found her remains in a farmer's field in Leduc, which is just south of Edmonton. Actually, in the opposite direction that Amber would have wanted to go from her hotel to get to Edmonton. He drove her the wrong way for about the same duration as she was on that phone call with her brother. Now, her remains were very badly decomposed. She'd been there for two years, so it was pretty much just skeletal remains. She had to be identified from dental records alone, and unfortunately, cause of death couldn't be determined because she'd been there for a very, very long time. Now, when this audio of the phone call was released, it sparked new interest in the case, and a bunch of tips came flooding in. A few women came forward claiming to know the man's identity, and they all identified the same man. A man by the name of Pat Carson, who owns a horse ranch in Onoway, Alberta. I watched a few news interviews with these women, and they all sound really convincing, absolutely believable, confident in their assertion. One woman said she knew the voice like the back of her hand. Another one of the women stated, I know that voice. I've ridden with that voice before on several occasions. There's no doubt in my mind that it's his voice. Police say they did look into Pat Carson, but there was nothing to suggest that he had murdered Amber, and they pretty much cleared him as a person of interest. While Pat has so far been cleared in this case, he does have a pretty sketchy past, allegedly. It just takes a quick Google search to pull up some of the terrible things that have been said about him. There is allegations that he lures young women to his ranch with the prospect of offering them a legitimate job as a helper on the farm, but 
Then his intentions turn more sinister. He is a registered sex offender. He did serve 18 months in jail for sexually exploiting three girls under the age of 18 outside of Edmonton. He had a previous five-year sentence for picking up underage prostitutes and choking them. There are tons of stories posted online by young women who claim to be victims of Pat Carson. Way too many to even talk about here. So go have a look for yourself if you're interested in reading a little bit more about this guy. Still, to this day, he has not officially been connected to Amber's murder. I'm not exactly sure what it was specifically that did rule him out, but that's just kind of where we're at with him. On March 20th, 2014, Tootsie filed an official complaint with the chair of the Commission for Public Complaints about the Leduc RCMP. The complaint cited numerous issues with the investigation, including the downplaying of Amber's disappearance and the destruction of possible evidence, i.e. all of her stuff from the motel that they simply threw in the garbage. And remember, early on in the investigation, Amber's case was removed from a national missing persons database due to a report of a sighting, a sighting that was never confirmed. And she wasn't entered back in the system for more than a month. The family has also said on numerous occasions, they've been passed from officer to officer and very little contact has been made with them. All of this is completely unacceptable. And a few years later, the police would publicly apologize. But hell, it's a little bit too late. The Tuckerow family refused to accept the apology, saying it felt forced. And I don't blame them. In 2017, the Tuckerow family increased the reward for information to $5,000, and they started a Justice for Amber campaign on social media. While the police and the case seemed to slow down and become quiet, Amber's family continued to rally for her and be a voice where she had lost hers. I don't know how they've continued to find the strength to keep going after all of these years, but they have been a major piece of keeping this case alive. Then, just last year in January 2020, RCMP were contacted by a man who believed that his father was responsible for Amber's murder. This is going to be a crazy story, so hang on tight. The man, who lives in Utah, claimed that his family had heard that voice and identified it as belonging to his father, who had been living on and off a rural ranch in the greater Edmonton area since 2009. Here's what the Facebook post that he posted said, and of course it's since been removed because it has a lot of, um, I guess, allegations in it, and I mean, you know, legal reasons, but the internet lives forever. So he posted all of this on Facebook, and here's what it said. Due to some of my social media activity, it is time for our family to come forward with something that may soon become public news. To begin with, this is not a joke, a plea for attention, or frankly, a plot for my next book. This is very much a real thing. In 2006, during his meth addiction, my father, David McKisson, told Megan about a sister that was born before Cody and I. The search for that sister has been on and off pursuit for the past 13 years, ultimately leading to more dead ends and questions. This pursuit ultimately led to me to uncover an extensive amount of troubling information related to my father. It is a very long story and not one appropriate for Facebook, but we have submitted a list of disappearances we suspect my father's involvement in to federal authorities in Canada. 
We have also obtained tangible evidence linking my father to this list. A few days ago, we discovered a recording of a partial phone call made during the abduction of a young mother from the Edmonton area in 2010. That woman's name was Amber Tuckero. Her voice can be heard in the link in these comments, along with the voice of my father. My father has been staying on a rural ranch in the greater Edmonton area on and off since 2009. He is an American citizen with no legal standing in Canada. Further, we suspect him for other disappearances in Arizona, Utah, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho dating back to the 1970s. Me, Megan, Cody, Alicia, our children, and multiple family members have all identified the voice as my father. It is particularly clear in the portion where he says 50th Street. I am posting this for a reason. Too many family members to count have turned away from us, encouraging us to not air the family's quote-unquote dirty laundry. That makes me sick. A dead young mother is no one's idea of dirty laundry. Young men who look startlingly like my son are not dirty laundry. Human beings are not bloody rags. I post this because absent any support from our extended families, I have turned to the relatives of victims and amateur social media detectives to help catch this man, a man who I believe is a prolific killer targeting both genders over an extended period of time. My father is bisexual with a history of violent, meth, and other drug-fueled relationships with both sexes. If you know any information about my father, whether you are a stranger, friend, or family member, please help. There are real lives at stake and real justice that needs to be served. I desperately, desperately wish I saw this sooner, but before I knew he was my father, a suspected serial killer, he was my dad. He was Grandpa Elfie. I couldn't see beyond that, despite a mountain of shady behavior, and I will never not regret that. But at least the blinders did come off, and though this may not be the best time to say this, my family and I will have to own both our pride and our shame. I am proud of my brother and his wife, Alicia, as they supported us through this journey in darkness. I am proud of my children who, despite the bleakness of this, have done everything they can to catch a killer they once called Grandpa. I am deeply proud of my wife who has supported me every step of the way throughout this, including somehow managing to grow and strengthen our business. I am proud of myself. I stared into some of the bleakest, blackest darkness a human being can look at set my own fear and trauma aside, and I'm working as hard as I can to put this man in the dark hole he belongs in. More than anything, I'm proud of the families and friends of the victims who have welcomed me into their lives as we work to bring closure and justice, even though I am the son of the man that caused them so much pain. You have watched the shows and listened to the podcasts where social media is used to catch a killer. We have turned over a mountain of information to multiple law enforcement agencies, but we need your help. If you know anything, please contact me. And if you are one of our family members who decides to aid, abet, and inform my father after you read this, know that I will do everything I can to make sure you end up in the same dark hole. And I keep my promises. Now share this post, help with the chase. Whew, I know that's lengthy and wow, that's that those are some allegations. It's pretty obvious why that post has since been taken down by Facebook. Um, but this man, he brought a list of murdered women he thought his father had murdered, including Amber. And he brought this list right to the RCMP. However, according to the RCMP, many of the cases that this guy mentioned, they had already been solved. 
and they noted that this man had made false allegations against his father in the past. So the father, he was pretty much cleared by police as being a suspect in Amber's murder. So where does that leave us now? Well, unfortunately, pretty much where it's always been. Amber's murder is still unsolved, and many believe that the man recorded on that audio tape, the man who killed Amber, is potentially a serial killer. The remains of four other women were found within just a few kilometers of where Amber's remains were found. The four other women are Edna Bernard, who went missing on September 22, 2002, Katie Sylvia Ballantyne, who went missing on April 28, 2003, Dolores Brower, who went missing on May 15, 2004, and Corey Ottenbreit, who went missing on May 9, 2004. All were Indigenous women. All had been hitchhiking at the time of their disappearances. And we do know that Indigenous women in Canada are at a much higher risk of being murdered. The frustrating part about all of this is that it feels like the answer is just within reach, but we can't seem to lock it down. If you have any information, please contact Alberta RCMP at 780-412-5261 or Leduc RCMP at 780-980-7267. Tips can also be called into Project CARE, that's K-A-R-E, at 1-877-412-5273 or 780-509-3356. You can also submit anonymous tips via Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. As for Amber's family, unfortunately her father passed away in 2014, never knowing what happened to her. And her mother, Tootsie, has gone on to raise Jacob, saying that he shares many of Amber's wonderful traits, including the way she spoke and her witty attitude. Someone knows what happened to Amber. Let's make 2021 the year that Amber finally gets justice and her family gets answers. That's it for me tonight. I would once again like to thank our sponsor. Make sure you schedule your garage door services today at obriandoor.com slash schedule. Keep your home safe by keeping your garage door working. As for me, if you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. Make sure you check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, and that's all one word. And if you are watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. If you'd like to become a Patreon and unlock some badass bonuses, seriously guys, they are pretty badass, visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.